In this episode, Tom and I are discussing company benefits. In essence, everything you can get, we're getting ourselves personally. Situations we're seeing, and mainly we're gonna dive into the case study of Tom himself, where he was getting a number of shares from his company, discuss the situation specifics, and what else can potentially be out there. So I hope this will be of some value. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Community Friday episode. So today I got again Tom with me. Hey, Tom. Hi, guys. And a while back, Tom asked me a question on how he should deal with the shares his company were giving out, what to do, how many to purchase, and you know, what the tax implications, the Citra would be of that. And that kind of made me think, makes for a brilliant episode topic because all of us, well, most of us will work for companies. We earn a salary and we get benefits. So today's episode is going to focus on company benefits. For example, um, shares you're getting, health insurance, different compensation, what not to do with it. And Tom and I are just going to have a chat on our personal situations, how we've dealt with them and how you can potentially deal with them yourself and get a bit of inspiration on that. So Tom, we recently had that conversation on the shares your company was giving out. Can you run the audience through that kind of like what a situation was and the options you had available to yourself? Yes, of course. So my company recently completed a merger with another company. As a result of that, they decided to do a new share sale scheme. They've offered them in the past, but I didn't join in time to be able to take part. So I thought I'd have a look. I've heard about these share sale schemes before, so I was sort of relatively aware of what they entailed. But when I found out more details, that's when I called up Alvar to have a quick chat. But essentially what they were offering was you basically purchase the option to buy these shares over a three-year period. And at the end of the three years, you can either exercise your option and buy the shares that you've saved up money to buy, or you just take back your savings, which have earned 0% interest over the time. So obviously to us, that would mean that they probably lost about 2% a year through inflation, where you could have invested them in something else. So it's, it's not a simple thing to think about. You have to consider opportunity costs and that sort of thing. But the, the math behind it, they, the company shares, I can't remember exactly, but I'm just going to make up some numbers. Let's say the shares were about £4 each on the stock market. They were offering us a 20% discount, so they would have given us them at £3.20 each. So you save up an amount anywhere between £5 and £500 a month out of your net salary. Not, so it's not through salary sacrifice. And then you do that every month uh, across three years. And then the money you saved, you can buy an amount of shares using that cash. The actual price, I know I said um, a 20% discount. I checked the actual price of the shares compared to the price they were giving us, and it was a bit more than 20%. It was like more like 25 30% discount, so it was very, very good. And I wanted to speak to Alvar because instantly 25 30% saving, that sounds like a great investment return, but what's the actual maths behind it? And one of the things that we considered was uh, what's the opportunity cost? If you say, let's say £100 a month, which is actually what I, I, I went for in the end, but £100 a month, £1,200 a year, £3,600 over the three years. If you put that in an investment fund, you would probably expect about 4% real return, whereas you're probably losing 2% a year for inflation. So you're like 6% a year down. And then what sort of return do you need at the end of it to make that worth it? 
and so then you're obviously also working with the gamble. Is the company share price going to go up or down in that given period? Because if you had not invested it in the actual stock, but straight into an investment fund, made yourself, you know, your 4% real return, six uh, before inflation, six, seven, you know, that one, I mean, we can debate the guarantee part, but that we kind of know you would have gotten versus shares you don't know. So we had the potential for yourself. We had to lock in the money for three years but to make a 30% return with the data we've got right now versus the 6% you would have lost annually. Um, so times three, 18, if you just round up a little bit in terms of comparison, and obviously you don't have the 3,600 straight away in there from the first year. Uh, and if we all average that down and we probably get to like a percentage of like, what is it, 12 or 13 or so, like return you could have gotten over that entire sum in the three years. If you compare that against the 30% you could have gotten from the company with the discount they were giving you, is a pretty hard choice because often with these schemes, because I recall yours was, you could actually take it out still if you would, for example, resign your job or wanted to, or like needed the cash before you could still take it out, right? Yeah, there is that there is that safety net there where if you left the, the workplace or if you decided not to take part, you can just take out any cash that you put in up to that point. And which that's is what quite meant, cool. And when many companies that doesn't work like that. There, um, yeah. that is actually the scheme I've got working for myself, which we will explain in further detail in a second. But I cannot take just take it out. I've got a vesting period. Right. But back to your okay, Stom. So. Then we're actually talking about, you know, the comparison. I, I believe in or felt in your situation, it kind of was like a no brainer to not at least do it a little bit, given the potential savings uh, you could have made. Because when we were talking about the 500 pounds a month or 100 pounds a month, and we were talking about the stability of your company and what you were expecting, based on what you told me back then, I would probably have gone in with 500 pounds a month <laughs> myself and tried to like, get the maximum amount of savings as I could potentially ever have gotten. But, you know, you went for 100. Why did you choose the 100? Yes. So, you know, I do value Alvar's advice and I valued his opinion on the, on the matter. And when he said 500, I thought, God, that is quite strong. And the reason I didn't go for that is because if I'd have thought of 500 pounds a month, which I would have been able to save each month, then you're looking at 6,000 pounds a year times three, 18 grand in cash would have been in your one company. And although you would have had the buffer of that 20% discount should the share price fall, I didn't want that amount of my net worth to be tied up in one company come the end of the three years. Because like, if I stick to my sort of forecasts after three years time, that will be about 20 to 25% of my net worth. And like, that's a lot of money to have in one company. And of course, like you might leave at any point during those three years. You don't know. You might get a better offer elsewhere. You might get injured. And, be off long-term sick or something it, it's there are so many circumstances that can change i went for the lower risk option of 100 pounds a month which i knew that no matter what happened good or bad i would be able to maintain that 100 pounds a month and i think that's a very uh, fair way of approaching it and i also like your reasoning of okay i've got my network right now but also if i think ahead in your actual forecast that it will be like 20 25 percent of your network even if you would leave the company after three years or if you but after a three-year period, you could would be able to take it out. That just on itself is risky. And we can make the argument, oh, the maximum return you can make. Well, let's also make the emotional argument of the stress you'll be putting on yourself, not having the cash available for other opportunities, buying a house, opportunity cost, um, 
other ventures you might have come or gotten across in that period. Honestly, I think you went for the best of both worlds. You still, you know, took some of the gain, but you did not go all in and you felt most comfortable with that. So it did the job, right? Absolutely. It's definitely a question of, of, of risk or reward. And as you say, it's not just a mathematical choice. It's an emotional one too. Had I been in a position where I would have lost money or even if I would have made no money and lost no money, it would have been a loss because I could have invested that in like a stocks and shares, I say. So it's just a simple question of risk and reward, which doesn't really have a simple answer, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's very dependent on the situation. No, indeed. And also just a quick note, Tom mentioned salary sacrifice earlier. What he meant by that is uh, with pre-tax money, being able to buy the shares, Lots of companies uh, do that, but his are actually post-tax. So he already paid tax over the money before he puts it in the scheme. And that's another layer that uh, often makes these schemes more interesting. I've had a number of them over the years. One of them, uh, not with the company I'm currently with, but before actually approach it like that, they gave me a 25% discount on the share price. Uh, but on top of that, I could buy with pre-tax money. So what were you getting then? 40% or so saved on tax. On top of that, 25% discount on the share price. Buy them in, lock it in, leave it there for, in that case, it was five years. Uh, I had to actually leave the shares in there, uh, the vesting period, before I could take them out. I didn't end up staying that long with the company, but hey, we uh, that's not the story of today. But if I had done that, let's say after those five years, I could have been able to take the money out. At that point, I would have had to pay tax over it. Yeah, anyway, that is really like the most common setup people use or have. I know it's a little bit more common in the US and the UK to have these schemes. I know Germany and Netherlands also have a, um, a pretty uh, large amount of them. Um, so if anybody is aware of them or has um, their own uh, situation, please throw the discussion in the Facebook group because I generally find these interesting and just want to know what other companies are doing, like how they work, what's the industry standard. But let's go back to my uh, example earlier I was using with the pre-tax money of a company I had or I was working for before the current company I'm working at. They simply gifted the shares. So what does gifted mean? Gifted means the following. I did not pay tax over it. I don't have to put any money in at this very moment. But these shares are locked in as well for um, four years and I can take out 25% annually. So um, every year I can take out 25% of whatever is in there. Uh, and I probably have to double check myself on that, but let's just for sake of argument work with that example right now, can take out 25% yearly of the total value. And then when I take them out, I will actually pay tax over it because then I will be considered salary or compensation I am receiving from my company. But that one is actually pretty interesting. They gifted them to me. It during a meeting with the CEO, um, we were told you are receiving these shares, which like, well, thank you very much. And everybody was obviously really happy with that. But having that available to yourself, it is a benefit. I think it's pretty valuable and utilizing it in a right way can bring you a lot, but it's just, you have to really understand that to make use of it. And I hope this discussion can be of value on that. And just a quick question for yourself, Tom. When you hear the schemes I had available to yourself in the past, do you prefer those over your own or do you rather have to do a, a setup if you've got yourself right now? Yeah, I think the idea of being gifted shares is, is, is very advantageous. You know, anything which doesn't carry any risk with it is absolutely a no-brainer. I think I do have quite a good opportunity with myself, but 
I think that it does vary massively depending on how you value the stability of your company. But given given this chance of having any company in the UK, I would probably take, I would probably take the gifted shares to be honest, because there's just no risk there as opposed to the share safe scheme. No, fair call. And yeah, again, last final note on this one: the actual risk of the company, as you said yourself here, you really have to have faith in your company to do this. Uh, that they will still be around in four or five years because nowadays we simply don't know everything can go on. And it's kind of like we're stuck picking our own company um, that goes in many ways against the financial independence, total ETF approach philosophy. <laughs> so, yeah, based on that, do your research extremely well. It does not hurt to take advantage of company benefits. But yeah, in a situation where I, for example, let's say I was in Tom's shoes, I went all in 500 pounds a month. 18,000 over those three years and the company went bankrupt, everything gone. And then I'm sitting there like, yep, that's no return at all. It's just a hundred percent loss. So considering that it, it is, it is wise to be careful on that one. But for the remaining part of this episode, Tom and I felt it would be cool to cover the remaining benefits companies often offer. So we'll just quickly run through the ones we've got available ourselves. And yeah, if you want us to discuss them in greater length, just like we did with uh, the shares scheme, give a shout in the Facebook group, and we will happily do so. But anyway, just for myself to get started. So I have got available a health cash plan, as it's called, which is just effectively health insurance. I pay eight, nine pounds a month, and it means I have health insurance available to myself privately, which gives me quick access to all kinds of health insurance institutions if there's a need for it. Um, is that valuable? I think it's extremely valuable to have that access to physiotherapist if you quickly want to go have that covered not by 50 out of pocket but just you know get your six to eight treatments a year and go from there it's always kind of like evaluating what are the treatments uh, they're giving me how much do i uh to pay for them or do i get in return generally speaking these schemes i think are pretty valuable have you got something similar yourself tom yeah i do it's it's exactly the same thing it's like a health cash plan costs uh, it's only a small amount a month. I don't actually participate in it. Um, I sort of have faith in the NHS. <laughs> Thought I'd save a bit of money there. But yeah, no, it's exactly the same thing, paying a little bit of money. Nice one. And if we look at any other uh, company benefits, so I've got a gym at work, which um, I did have to pay a small fee for to get started, administration induction fee, but it was only £10. And yeah, that gave me access to a free gym, which is pretty cool. It's below my office. It's not owned by my company, but part of the building they're located in. So that's one of the perks. Lots of free food, free fruit. Do I consider it valuable free food? Kind of. It is nice. It's something I don't have to buy myself. So it saves me lunch on that. Do you also get like free food or lunch or something along those lines, Tom? No, that sounds very good. I'm really jealous, actually. So we have um, like a gym discount program, but the gym that's on site at my sort of business park is kind of aimed at that higher earning professional. So it costs 60 pounds a month and our discount brings it down to like 48 pounds a month or something. So it's um, it, it's still very expensive. You know, I'd much rather go to like a 20 pound a month gym. Yeah, no, fair call. And I mean, gym I've got is basic, but it's still, again, it's free, it's provided and why not? It's, I run a swim and the gym is a nice addition on top of that just if I feel like it, or like right now when the weather doesn't go that well, but just in Scotland nowadays in the winter, <laughs> it makes for a nice change. But anyway, so then we kind of like covered 
the savings scheme uh, through shares, health insurance, free foods um, you kind of get. You know, what else have we got out there? Like, for example, courses. I follow quite a few trainings through work. Like if I just think about the last year, I had quite a few training days just with internal trainings. I they hired an external SQL trainer, which came over and I had like a two-day full-on um, training, which that's the one thing I really consider a benefit as well, having training available within work for your specific profession. Do you have anything like that yourself, Tom? Like, like a training module or environment available? Like I, I don't have a training budget, but the company invests a lot in training, which for me is really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. This is something that if you didn't mention, I was going to mention myself. I think people perhaps wouldn't immediately think of it as a benefit because it's not like an instant financial benefit, like a gym membership or a car service or something. But yeah, I think at my work, we have this like online training system where uh, because I work in the financial services industry, you can learn about topics within financial services or like perhaps sort of regulatory topics that you need to learn about. But then they also have quite a generous budget towards people participating in training in their own time so long as it's like somewhat relevant to work they will probably agree to doing it and yeah so the the system online is called like the the cbt system the, the computer-based training system and that's not just regulatory training they do lots of other things like I, I recently did one on like budgeting and that sort of thing very awesome and yeah in the end it ups your skills it ups your own value uh many companies also give you access to linkedin learning coursera Tons of those options, and I like that. Now, one thing I think we should also add to that, uh, companies actually giving you time during work time to train. That on itself, or having that option available, asking for it, that's a benefit on itself. So if you think about that whole range of benefits which is covered, yeah, uh, the only one I would kind of like still add, through my company, I can purchase discounted items. They have, they've got this platform, and through that, I can actually use pre-tax money you can call it salary sacrifice to buy products. So with post tax, I make an instant 33% saving on whatever I buy, buy that. And it's, for example, it's a phone. Let's say I buy an iPhone for a thousand pounds, which I would never do, but hey, and it's a thousand retail day. That company that sells it, they will also sell it to a thousand uh, retail to me, but I get an instant 33% savings on there because I don't pay tax over the money I'm using, which by itself is valuable because if you think about what you need on a yearly basis and plan it out. Um, in my case, it's just mainly, you know, say running shoes, a phone, a laptop, just things you, you would buy anyway. Then I think there can be quite a lot of value in that uh, and savings if you plan it out. If you got something like that, Tom, at work, or do you have a, uh, an alternative? Yeah, the immediate one that I think about when you say stuff like that is the cycle scheme, which I think is quite popular nowadays. It might be government run, actually, it's like a cycle scheme in the UK, where you buy a cycle uh, bike with a with your pre-tax money so yeah you save like 32 percent as a basic rate taxpayer or like even more as a higher rate sweet i had something similar in the netherlands when i worked over there but what those schemes often tend to do and i've both found that in the uk and in the netherlands you're forced to buy pretty premium and expensive bikes so they charge you easily like a grant for the bike whereas you can just buy a random one for 40 which obviously of lower quality but they, they always make you buy the premium ones but hey, still, it's valuable. And if you want a proper bike, it saves cash. So why not? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think um, it's like th those opportunities are there. But I, I definitely agree that some of them are probably slightly trapping you into buying like a, a one thousand pound bike, something that you wouldn't otherwise get. I think it's quite important to 
realize that a lot of these are aimed at working professionals, people who probably do have quite a bit of spare income. So that there may be a slight emphasis on cost. And I think to people like us who are trying to reduce costs as much as possible, not all of these will be suitable at all. No, fair enough. And in the end, the whole nature of company benefits, um, if it saves you money, if it works, go for it, but do your research well. But on that note, uh, we're slowly going to round up the episode or slowly, no, we're going to finish it up. Tom, thank you so much for covering uh, this one with me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alva. Really good fun. And guys, see you next time. And definitely post your own situations in the Facebook group. I know we're asking for it often, but like get the discussions going and let us know about your own situations because that really allows us to get more inspirational episodes to do topics like these. If you've got your own really unique benefits, we can do an entire episode on it. We'd love to. Anyway, guys, speak soon and bye-bye. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are not enough financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Five Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe Podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe Podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.